0: welcome to the faith broadcast I'm so glad that you're watching today's message I believe it'll be a blessing to you I believe it'll encourage you it'll strengthen you and it'll empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life enjoy today's message and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast
1: we have 17 reflection questions that we've gone over in the series over the last two months these reflection questions are there so you can reflect that you can answer I believe as we answer those questions allow the, the Holy Spirit to lead you you'll go further in the call that God has on your life so some of the things I'm to have in my notes that I want you to see here, and you can open up and follow along with me, or you can read through them after the experience. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon a judge, and as a result, they were able to judge Israel and deliver them from their enemy. The judge was able to do it because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. These judges we've studied about, and the judge we'll talk about tonight, was not because of their own strength and willpower and ability, it was by the anointing of the Spirit. So say it with me, put it in the chat, say it was by the anointing of the spirit. Say with me and put in the channels by the anointing of the spirit. These judges were able to judge Israel and deliver them from the enemy because of the anointing of the holy spirit. Remember the book of judges is part as under the old covenant. And under the old covenant the holy spirit did not rest on all those who were part of that covenant. In the old testament the holy spirit only rested upon prophets, priests, kings and those with special assignments such as the judges. majority of the judges were not prophets we know one judge deborah was a prophet but the rest of them were not prophets the majority of the judges were not prophets although the holy spirit empowered the judges we see that the phrase that he landed upon Othniel, gideon jephthah and samson this phrase was repeated multiple times in the chapters describing samson's life which we're going to look at tonight the holy spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyle. I want to say that again, especially as we cover Samson. The Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyles. We have seen so far in studying the lives of a few of these individuals, we see horrific choices that led to horrible consequences. We see horrific choices that led to horrible consequences. It was these judges, these anointed judges who made horrific choices and it led to horrible consequences. And so this leads us to the question why did the holy spirit rest upon the judges and raise them up to be a judge in the first place the answer we saw from judges chapter 2 is the lord raised up judges because of his compassion and his mercy the holy spirit operating with the judge was a manifestation of god's mercy i'll say that again the holy spirit operating with the judge was a manifestation of God's mercy. There's a lot of things that happen in our experiences and our meetings when we get together. It's a result of God's mercy. It's a result of his great love and his compassion. And the Holy Spirit operating with the judge was a manifestation of God's mercy. He would work with the judge as far as he could for the sake of his people. He would work with the judge, even if the judge made some hot mess decisions. He would work with the judge as far as he could for the sake of his people, specifically for the sake of delivering his people. Now, how do these judges operate successfully in the Old Testament with the Spirit of God since they were under the Old Covenant? How did these Old Testament judges successfully operate with the Spirit of God under the Old Covenant? Hebrews 11.32 gives us insight into that. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. The writer says, How much do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. We you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is a hall of faith. Talk about people who had great faith and are examples of faith. These judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. Let's say it out loud in the chat. Say, these judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. One more time, say, these judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. Although the Holy Spirit will land upon them, they would still need to act. As the scripture says three times in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament, excuse me, one time in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. It says it four different times in the Bible, once in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. As we shared in our introduction to the series all these weeks ago, we should learn from the faith of the judges. The judges had faith that God had empowered them to fulfill their assignment. When the Holy Spirit landed upon them, he anointed them for their assignment. Samson is an excellent example of faith that God has empowered you. Samson is an excellent example of faith that God has empowered you. Yet due to his lack of consecration to God's ways, His life was messy. I was searching for a word to describe the life and ministry of Samson. And that one of the quickest words that came to mind was messy. Samson's life was messy. You can follow Samson's faith, but you cannot follow his lifestyle choices. You can follow Samson's faith, but you can't follow his lifestyle choices. You know, I've seen it in ministry before. I've seen people, they're anointed by God and they do wonderful things for God. But their personal life and some of the choices are just messy and they lead to messy results. That doesn't mean we judge the person and says, oh, they can't be anointed by God because they're messy. No, God anoints a lot of people. But if you want to operate at the higher levels of the anointing of God, you must submit yourself and yield to yourself to his plan, to his purpose, to his ways. And I'll say it again in another way. If you want to go the distance in the plan of God, you must submit yourself to his plan and his ways of being right. So that you're not a quick anointed explosion, but a long-lasting impact for the kingdom of God. God will work with you as far as He can. He's not going to take over your work. He's going to work with you as far as He can. If you want God to work through you in a higher and greater way, yield to His way of living and His plan for your life. Now, in Judges chapter 13, verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew. And the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mehenadan between Zorah and Esther. So this is a good start. He is promised. We saw that story last week in Judges 13, how God has a plan for their deliverance. God has a plan for your deliverance. God had a plan for them. And part of that plan was causing Samson to be born. And that Samson, it says his call was to begin to deliver the people from the oppression and the dominion of the Philistines. There's a reason he was called to deliver. And it's not because his life was messy. There are sometimes God calls calls people to start things. There's some people he calls to finish it. Or as Paul says it this way, some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. And so Samson, he's supposed to get it started. In other words, he is sowing. That means God had waterers in mind. And one day there was a harvest in mind. And the full harvest in this context is delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Samson was opposed to get it started. Because remember, by this point, they've been oppressed by the Philistines 40 years. And so it says in verse 25, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. And so the New Living Translation, well, let me say it this way. That word move also means to direct, and it means to stir up. That word move upon means he begins to direct him, and he began to stir him up. So he's a young man at this point, and the Holy Spirit is directing him. He is moving him. What he's preparing him to step out into what he has called him to do. And but let's look at some of the choices Samson made. Let's go to chapter fourteen, verse one. And remember, his life was messy. So that's just a forewarning. If you've never read through the whole story of Samson, let's look at the mess. Or you can go ahead and put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Say messy. Come on, say messy. Chapter 14, verse 1. And I remember something another man of God said. He said, He, he was joking in this way. He would say, You know, if I was God, I would have edited the Bible. I wouldn't put out all the dirty laundry of the people. He said, I would have, you know, removed some stuff, you know, make some people look a little bit better. But God left this stuff in here. One, it speaks to you. One of the things it says about the Old Testament, and we looked at this in the beginning of the series, is that they are our examples. And when Paul was referencing that there are examples in the King James's examples, his example that lets you know what to do and what not to do. And so some things we see from the life of Samson, as an example, don't you do that. But other things we see, an example, okay, you can do that. And you see the consequences of certain actions. And you see that all throughout the Old Testament. So Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Let's look what it says here. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe among all the Israelites you can marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines? Uh, another translation, the uncircumcised Philistines, mean they don't serve God. They don't have a covenant with God. This is not like there's a, this Philistine woman came, went after God, served God. This is, the scripture doesn't say that. But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this. Create an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at this time. And so Samson wanted to marry this Philistine girl. His parents were like, no, we don't want this to happen. Eventually they were But in the background of all this mess, the Lord is at work. Which means that the Lord can work in the midst of your mess. It's not his preferred environment. But he can still work in your mess and through your mess. But the highest level of living is letting him work while you work on your mess and get your mess out of the way. Let him help you get that mess out of the way. Let him help you clean up your mess. And now look what happened next. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young lion goat but he didn't tell his father and mother about it think about it this way you know some of us are like how do you even rip a goat but a lion attacking you with the fierceness and the strength of a lion samson was able to catch it as it attacked him grab it by his jaw and rip it apart that is massive strength and the thing is you no know, the bible never really provides a description of samson and so when we think about the stories of samson we think oh man he must have he must be super fit full of muscles, all those things. The Bible would say that we probably guess he's fit and maybe he knows how to fight. But he's not doing this because of his natural strength. He's not doing this because he's some super bodybuilder. He's not doing this because he's Mr. Universe. He's doing this because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did as easily as a young goat, but he didn't tell his father and mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, He talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Notice what it says in verse eight. Later, he returned to Timnah for the wedding. He turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah as was custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, They selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you saw my riddle during the seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he said, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So notice what they're doing. They are threatening Samson's wife's life. And so notice what she does. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me, you hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. He replies, I haven't even given the answer to my father and mother. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before the sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you had ploughed my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to the town of Asculon. Remember, that's a Philistine city. We talked about the city in the territory of the Philistines earlier in this series, and that's one of the top five cities uh, of the rulers of the Philistine. And he killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved this riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. It was already messy, but it's about to be messy still. Notice what happened, and so the, those thirty guys threatened Samson's wife, and he was furious. He leaves, she stays, she marries the person who they selected to be the best man. Eventually, Samson is going to come back, and the mess is about to intensify. So let's go to the next chapter. Go ahead, and let's say say it again. Say messy. This is messy, and is going to get messier still chapter 15 verse 1 later on during the wheat harvest it's important it's during the wheat harvest so what happens they're not harvesting all the wheat in one day but this is the time of harvesting wheat and remember wheat is being harvested so they can make into what they're making this is their food this is the sustenance this is the prosperity remember Philistines taking a taken of israel so they have all this wheat that they're planning to eat into everything they plan to do with it it's important when you understand what happens next Later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. He says, I truly thought you must hate her, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. Not one fox. Not two, not three, not ten. Not one hundred. 300 foxes how one how do you even catch a fox Two. how do you catch that many foxes he caught all of these Foxes he tied their tails together in pairs and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines He burned all their grain to the ground including the sheaves. And the uncut grain he also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves, so notice he destroyed their entire harvest, the stuff that was harvested already, the stuff they were about to harvest and hadn't had a chance to yet, he wiped out the vineyards and the olive groves, so they have no production. He destroyed their remember an agricultural society, he destroyed their economy in one day. Remember he's anointed to de- begin the deliverance of Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. And so they replied, who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was replied because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So notice what the Philistines did. They went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. So they set his house on fire with him in. So the Philistines went and got the woman and father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I will rest. I'll take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the Rock of Edom. So we see Samson is at war with the Philistines. This is a one-man war. It is Samson versus the Philistines, and he is winning. He has destroyed their economy. He has taken down hundreds of them probably by this point. And notice what's happening next. Imagine if you were getting these reports, you're reading the newspaper every day, watching online, looking at your news app, and you're seeing these reports. You're following this war story. And then notice how the Philistines respond. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah, remember one of the tribes of Israel, and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to cam- capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. For the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. They said, we will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Well, I want you to pay attention to what happens next. Because sometimes we just read through it and we assume one thing happened. Because we know he's strong. People think he read the story. Man, he just snaps the ropes. But I want to show you something. Verse 14, we're reading from the Amphite Classic Edition. Now, remember, I read this originally to KG, KJV years ago looked at it, in it and I saw it in the Hebrew. And then I even put it in my book, No Longer Memorals, but I'm going to read it to you, Amplified Classic Edition, because it's just so marvelous of what the anointing of the Spirit did on Samson. Verse 14, And when he came to Lehi or Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, and the ropes on his arms became as flax that had caught fire. And his bonds melted off his hands. Notice, it said the flax, the ropes. Became like they caught fire. And how easy to tear a rope of flax that, is on, that had been burnt. It's easy to snap. But then also his bonds, the metal part, melted off his hands. So how do these things become like they caught fire? Remember, they were brand new ropes. The anointing of the Holy Ghost came upon him so strong. It was like fire. It burned up the ropes and melted off the bonds. Talk about anointed. This is telling you the level of anointing that was operating in and through and upon Samson. Let's get back to verse 15, going back to the New Living Translation. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. This is a one-man army. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed 1,000 men. When he had finished his boasting, he threw away his jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So we're about to see something here, because a lot of times we think about the ministry and the judgeship of Samson, and we think, oh, his strength. But we just saw a verse where the anointing was so strong upon him became like fire. But now we're about to see a miracle. A miracle on this level hadn't really been done since the time of Moses. He is thirsty, he is dehydrated. He has just went to war, and he thinks, if I don't drink, I'm about to die. And so he calls out in faith to God. He And notice the credit. He doesn't take credit for the victory. He says, God, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. So notice what Samson does. He gives God the credit. Because a lot of us, because you know, we see his you know poem, poem and the boasting he did, but he knew who to give the glory to, and that's what he did. He gave the glory to God. He says, "You did this by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hand of these pagans?" Because he said they're going to come get me if I fall here. So what happened? Verse 19. So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at the heat, and Samson was revived as he shrank. And he named that place the spring of the one who cried out. And it is still a to this day. So wait a minute, that spring didn't just take care of Samson. As long as that spring was running, and to whenever they wrote the book of Judges, people from after Samson drank of that spring. That spring came because of Samson's faith and Samson's prayer. And not only did it revive him, it refreshed other people who came to drink from that spring. Notice what Samson's faith accomplished. Not only is he strong, not only did the anointing come on him like fire, he's now produced water from the hollow ground because of his faith in God. God opened up a spring, just like God caused millions of Israelis to drink water from a rock when Moses struck it. This is the anointing, this is faith at work. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. So Samson's period of judgeship and ministry is longer than Jephthah. Jephthah was about six years. Now Samson is a little bit over 20 years. So we see all these things that have happened. And now 20 years go by and Samson is judging Israel as we talk about what the judge does. So let's go to chapter 16, verse 1. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of the morning comes, we will kill him. Now, we read through this and we're like, wait a minute, did we just read what we thought? Yep, we just read exactly what we thought. When I told you Samson's life was messy, it is messy and about to get messier still. He's the judge. He should be the example of following the law. He should be the example of living in the ways of God. But instead of being the example, he's nowhere close to the example. As we talked about before, the book of Judges is like a spiral. It says each generation got worse and worse and worse. We even see in the lifestyle choices of the judges. We see, already saw the lifestyle choices of Gideon at the end, as well as Jephthah, but also now with Samson. They're not examples of living the way they should. And so just one day, the judge of Israel goes down and spends the night with a prostitute. And everyone in the city of Gaza, remember, this is not just any city. This is one of the main towns, one of the capital cities. Remember, there are five major cities of the Philistine territories and five lords over the Philistines. And so he goes to one of their cities, sleeps with a prostitute. And they kept quiet during the, uh, it says, here's what happened next. Word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of the morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Some say that's about a 40-minute walk, 45-minute walk. So what did he do? Although he is living a hot mess, there's a plot to kill him. He wakes up at midnight. Sneaks past everybody, goes to a gate. Remember, the gates are the protection of the city. Instead of unlocking the gate, busting through the gate, he picks up the gate, its doorpost, everything is attached to, takes it out of the wall, carries it for a good 45 minutes, and leaves it on the hill. Now that gate is open. Anybody can go through and attack the city and get in. But we see there's supernatural strength working through him, even though his life is a mess right now. and. Remember, God is working through the judges as a result of his mercy. Just because God is still working in your life does not mean he always approves what he is approving how you're living. Don't think God's blessing and God's moving and God's working is his approval of you doing what you're not supposed to do. Just because your sin or what you've been doing wrong hasn't caught up with you yet doesn't mean that God wants you to keep doing it. It is the goodness of God, the scripture says, that leads men to repentance. If you are doing some stuff and you already know it's wrong, it's time to stop doing it and live differently. Not because the goodness of God has stopped working, but because the goodness of God is working, it's time for you to put that mess aside and fully consecrate yourself to the plan of God for your life, to the ways of God. Yield to his plan. Yield to his word. Do what he's instructed to you to do in the New Testament. Live by faith. Live according to the law of love. Follow the ways of the Spirit of God. Walk in the light as he is in the light. So let's get back to Samson. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the Valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong, how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to the Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it take to tie you up securely. So Delilah and Samson were in this relationship. I'm sure she used to at some point had some feelings for him. But the rulers of the Philistines get together and they offer Delilah this amount of money to find out Samson's secret. She agrees. But you can tell Samson didn't trust her. Because Samson didn't. Tell the answer. Remember, this is a secret he has kept all his life. So since he was born, we know at least the 20 years of his judgeship. But even since he was a young man, he was walking under the blessing of the Lord. Since he learned the story of the angel of the Lord visiting his parents and what the angel of the Lord told his parents, he's been living in accordance to that vow. And so notice he says different times. Verse seven says, "Samson I for tied up with seven new bowstrings that had not been dried. I would become as weak as anyone else." So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, "Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you!" But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned with fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, "You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can t- be tied up securely." Samson replied, If I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took the new ropes and tied them up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were a thread. Then Delilah said, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tied it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, one of the things we can... Learn this, we all see clearly now. You know, hindsight is 2020, 20, and we have this is written account. Samson should have been there in the first place. He should have never been in a relationship in Delilah. He should have been living there. This is not where he's supposed to be. He's somewhere he's not supposed to be, in a relationship he's not supposed to be in, doing something he's not supposed to do. And now his secret is going to be exposed. Verse 17. Finally Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. Another verse, another translation says he began to afflict him or began to torment him. The Greek version reads that he began to grow weak and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. And to me, the statement is the saddest verse in the book of Judges. It's one of the saddest verses in the book of Judges. One of the saddest to me is what happened with Jephthah's story. But this one is just so sad as well. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. He did not realize the Lord had left him. He woke up and thought, I'm just going to get myself free like I did the last time I was in this situation. Now, how did he, would he get us free? He would do stuff because he believed, he had faith that God had anointed him, right? He had faith in the anointing. Faith in the empowerment of the Spirit said, I'm just going to do what I did last time. And the anointing is going to kick in. I'll be free. I'll be done with it. But he did not realize the Lord had left him or that anointing of the Lord, the anointing of the Spirit, the Spirit who empowered him, was no longer there. Now, why is that the case? Numbers chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, I'll read that to you. We'll come back to the story of Samson and bring this to a close tonight. Numbers chapter 6, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way. They must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from the wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice and they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by the Nazarite vow, they're not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine. We know that's what the angel of the Lord told the mother not even the grape seeds or the skins. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time where their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. According to the Nazareth vow, we see here in Numbers 6, the shaving of the head meant that the vow was over. When a person shaved the head, there's a whole process of what they're supposed to do when they shave the head, what they're supposed to do with the hair. It's all written out in Numbers chapter 6. But the point I want to drive home tonight is the shaving of his head meant that his vow was over. And he was anointed to fulfill the vow. He was anointed to fulfill the call. And so when he had his head shaved, he gave this information when he shouldn't have given this information. It was in a place where he shouldn't have been. The shaving of the head meant the ending of the vow. And when the vow was over, that vow saying, I'm going to do what God told me to do. That vow was over. The anointing left. The anointing had been working through all this mess, all of these decades now. But the shave of the head meant the vow is over. Let's go back to Judges 16. Let's see what, look what happened to Samson. Taking up in verse 21. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind, grain in the prison. So notice what happened. He's gone back to Gaza. He's locked up. He's chained. He used to be anointed and the chains would melt off. He destroyed the grain of the Philistines before. And now he's trapped in prison without his sight, without his eyes. And he's going around in circles. When you growing the grain, you're going around in circles and circles and circles. Sin will keep you going in circles and keep you trapped. That's why you want to get out of the mess now. So you don't end up in the prisons of sin where you go around in circles and circles and circles without sight, without insight, without revelation, without clarity. Why? Because now your eyes are darkened because you've hardened your heart. But something happened while Sam's in his prison. First, in his prison, verse 22. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Number 612 in the New Living Translation says the days of the vow that were completed before the defilement no longer count. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord as a Nazarite for the full term of their vow, and each must bring a one-year old male lamb for a guilt offering. So for some reason, Nazarite violated the vow by accident on purpose. They could make the vow again. And this is what's happened while Samson's prison, his hair growing back. The vow starts again. Let's finish the story going to verse 22. But before long, his hair began to grow back, The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. This prayer, yes, comes from a repentant heart, a rededicated heart. But it also comes from a place of faith because he believes that God's going to do it. That's why he prayed it. And then now he's acting on it. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. His last request before God, he says, I want to be done. Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Later, his brothers and other relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaroth, where his father Manoah was buried. Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. Now, something about Samson's life. Samson's life and his judgment, even though he was a judge for 20 years, he started at a young age, he was a judge for 20 years, right over 20 years. It was too short. And although God granted his request to let him go early, Samson could have lived longer and done much more for the people of God. You might say, well, God would call him to sow, to start. Right. Although God called him to sow and start, it didn't mean he could have mentored those who watered. He could have mentored the one who did the harvesting. Imagine someone who had grown older, a Samson with wisdom, a Samson who was living according to the word of God, a Samson who's matured and operated under the anointing of God. What impact could he have on the nation of Israel? Sometimes fulfilling your call is not just about you and your part. It's also how your part influences somebody else and those who come after you. And because Samson's life ended early, there are people, and i will tell you about those people next week and the week after that, who missed out on the mentorship Samson could have offered and imparted. What you do is not just for you and your generation, it's for those who come after you. That's why you must consecrate yourself to the plan of God. That's why you must yield to his ways. Yes, it will bless you, you're for, but it's also about somebody else. Yes, in this generation, but you are paving the way for those who come after you when you say yes to the plan of God. Some final notes on the life of Samson. Don't allow your mess to come between you and the miraculous. We all have issues of our lives that need to be worked on. Continually work on those areas. Don't stop. God can turn your mess into a miracle, but you must partner with him. He has his part, and you have your part. Say, God has his part, and I have my part. One more time. Say, God has his part, and I have my part. I'm going leave you with this before we pray. The greatest manifestations of the anointing. Come through the relationship and partnership of the Holy Spirit with his people. The greatest manifestations of the anointing come through the relationship and partnership of the Holy Spirit with his people. The greatest manifestations of the anointing and their greater ones waiting for us in these days and the days to come. It will come through our relationship with him and our partnership with him. Because as we partner and work with him he can work on our mess. You can get things out of the way. He can cause us to be a vessel that is used for the glory of God. Greater days are coming. Greater days are here. here. It's time for us to yield to the plan of God and live the way he's called us to live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for what you share with us tonight. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of this word. So we bless in new doing. And operate at higher levels of the anointing, higher levels you've called us to, higher levels you've called us into. Help us walk into these days and help us to lay aside the sin that's so that so easily besets and the weights that weigh us down and slow us down. Help us to live holy before you, for you are holy and you've called us to be holy. Help us to walk in the light. Help us to walk in love. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to walk in the spirit. Help us to walk into the future you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We can do it together. Glory Mm -hmm. to Jesus.
0: Amen. I believe today's message can encourage you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. we love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called The Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.